You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Excited to be here as always. We had a very, what's the word, fun, interesting, unusual guest today. We're going to get to that um, in a couple of minutes because you all know I like to hear myself talk a little bit first. Uh, and I always have to say the first, first, uh, the next two things as well because it's part of my intro, part of my excuse in case something goes wrong, and it's my chance to get a plug in for something I'm doing also. So as the listeners of Talking Tough know well by now, I live up in the wilderness of uh, Maui with my four little maniac pit bulls who, who are truly beautiful and not maniacal, but that's what I say. And we're, we're isolated up here. Um, there's no people. There's no cars. So if a car comes within half a mile of our place, it's a big event. You'll hear a giant explosion of barking in the background. Uh, it may last for 30 seconds. It might last for a minute. We'll try to talk our way through it. But I want, I want to ask you to pardon that inevitable interruption in advance. That also allows me to plug the following. My four dogs, Ramon and Gogo and Eos and Dennis, they're three of the four are rescues from horrible backgrounds. They come from different rescues around the country. They are now the spokes dogs for the Bully Dog Rescue Coalition, which you can find at bullydogrescue.com. And we are raising awareness and money for four amazing women, all in different parts of the U.S., who have dedicated their lives and every penny they have on this planet to running pit bull sanctuaries. Linda Blair, my good friend from The Exorcist, is one of them. You all know who Linda is, I'm sure. Uh, Sean and Gina and Sarah are the other three. They're just as amazing as Linda is. Please uh, give them some love and some support at BullyDogRescue.com. All right, we got the pit bull stuff out of the way. we got the Maui stuff out of the way. Uh, it's February. I'm sure we have listeners in Detroit. You're probably freezing. It's cold here today, too. It's 72. I always like to get that out there because it's fun to brag about Maui. Um, and now that everybody probably hates me and they're not going to listen, but I hope they will because we're going to have some fun today. We're here on Talking Tough. Uh, the tagline for Talking Tough is the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. Now, our guest today, and uh, in complete, uh, to be completely candid and transparent, he's also a close personal friend. So we, we've had a chance to talk a lot uh, over the years, and even a little bit about doing an interview and, and what it might be about. And I'm still not introducing. I'm going to do it in a minute because uh, Ken Shamrock was supposed to be on today the world's most dangerous man. Ken is also um, a friend. He's not able to make it. And then my other good friend, who I've been dying to have on, um, graciously left Bible study. How, how tough is that? We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, to substitute for the world's most dangerous man. But in, in truth, uh, my good friend Darren McBee is nobody's substitute. He is he, he's world famous in many, many ways, yet at the same time, he's a very enigmatic guy because if you search Darren McBee, D-E-R-O-N-M-C-B-E-E, the second you see the photos, you're like, oh, God, yeah, I, I know him. But he's, um, 
he keeps to himself. And by enigmatic, I mean he's, he's just he doesn't put himself out there, despite how much he's done in the public eye. He, he's he's a walking contradiction in terms. He's a, a, a human giant. He looks like a cartoon character come to life. Uh, he, he looks like if, if they made if they remade Vikings or they made Vikings 20 years ago, he would have been the guy on the poster. But at heart, this is the nicest journalist, and I'm going to say this word on Talking Tough, loveliest guy that I know. Uh, I'm so happy, Darren. Introducing Darren McBee. Darren, are you with us, or are you so sick now that you've hung up already? <laughs> uh, you're talking about me? I'm going, holy mackerel. Who's this guy? I like him. <laughs> I, I know you. Oh, oh, man. That just sound like you're an okay guy, huh? Oh, man, God bless you, man, because you know what? I feel the same way, but I got to I gotta say, I think you are the world's toughest man, okay? I mean, <laughs> the stuff that you and I have been through and the challenges that I've seen you overcome, oh, my gosh, man. I'll say it again and again, I've said it to your face. You're my hero, buddy. You are my hero. Thank you, man. I know we have talked about that, and, and we have – not that I'm – I'm not saying I'm the toughest guy. We've talked about our regard for the other, and I, I know it's a mutual – admiration society and that's great and that's one reason i think we're gonna have such a good time here today um you know and, and you're, you're replacing ken shamrock and in many ways you're you're tougher and ken if oh. you're listening you know what darren made me say that <laughs> ken he's lying <laughs> i don't want him coming to my house one day and bending me up like a pretzel okay <laughs> exactly exactly yeah all right well I, I had to put that one on you, my friend. Uh, Thank you, buddy. I want to give, you know, so many people out there know you. Uh, mm-hmm. of, course, of course, others don't. So let's yeah. just go, let's do a little, I think game is the wrong word, but let's do something we do on Talking Tough every now and then. We have this little segment we call At the Top, and then mm-hmm. the opposite opposite side do at the bottom so you know at the top for me would be things like um you know won an emmy award was hired as disney's yeah. youngest executive without a college degree ever so on and so forth wow. whatever it is um right. can you quickly i know this puts you on the spot because you're not prepared right. for it but can you quickly give us like a at the top highlight list for yourself well I, absolutely um uh, this, this has got to be the pinnacle right here, Rick. That's all I can say. I mean, I, I, I can die happy now that I've done your show, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've been super blessed. Um, I think for so many, for so many reasons, um, I think the pinnacle for me at the top probably is, is truly when I bent the knee and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. Um, because before that I was a pretty broken guy. Um, so I've, I've got to, I've got to just absolutely, you know, bend the knee and thank the Lord for that. But, um, as far as, you know, accolades and things like that, um, I've done a couple shows that I were really, really excited about. I did an episode on married with children, which was, uh, an amazing blast of a time I had, but then I did an episode on a show called Curb Your Enthusiasm, and that's probably one of my my most proudest moments because um, that show, as you know, is all done with improv. So there's really no straight dialogue. You just kind of start from one area and you finish one er- from one area. And Larry David, the creator of Seinfeld, is also in the show. I, I don't know if you've seen it before, Rick. Um, you probably have or heard of it, but. Uh, I love you for that. You did. That's right. Did you ever pay my commission for that, by the way? 
No, oh my gosh, I owe you big time. <laughs> oh man, that's right, man. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so you you got me into a show that I thought was hilarious, and um, the funny thing was like Larry David is a very straightforward, staunch kind of stuffed shirt. Um, nobody has ever made him laugh on his own show until I got there. And um, I broke him three different times because the scene was, and you, you know this all well, just wrestlers will say their spiel, and he, they wanted me to come in and really cuss him out, and you, son of a bitch, piece of crap, you know, blah, 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 like a wrestler would do. But the scene was I had four kids in my car, and I'm thinking, what would a dad do who was a wrestler who, who wants to tell somebody off but doesn't want his kids to hear him say really bad words? which as a father, I've done this before. So I, I pulled up alongside him. I'm going, you stupid, bald-headed turd. I will body slam you so hard you'll poop your bald pants or something stupid like that. And he kept cracking up, Rick. He kept breaking. We had to cut. We had to do this three different times. And um, the, the AD, assistant director, came up to me and said, Darren, no one's ever made him break character. Nobody. That's awesome. So I, I was really the episode. I, I watched it again not long ago, knowing that uh, I was going to have you on eventually. And it was fond, fond memories. It was a great scene, man. No, no doubt about it. And you did look like the the I'm going to use poster child again. The poster child for the pro wrestling movement at that time. Oh, right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Sure, man. And then of course you um you were Mataro in in Mortal Kombat. That's a yep. that's an iconic part. Um. My uh, John John Pozorowski from uh, the Two Man Power Trip Podcast Empire, our producers, <laughs> love to it. me before we uh, started this call that that you guest starred in Walker Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris. Yes, you, you you've been all over the place commercially and theatrically. The, you know the, the the first thing I always think of 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 you. Darren, you know, I, apart from being the human being that I know you to be as a celebrity, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I think of you as Malibu from the American Gladiator. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know what? That that show was, you know, how that came about for me. I was sitting on a life cycle, Rick, and a guy next to me says, "Hey, listen, you you might be good for this this thing." And it was in a, a tabloid like Variety or something like that. And he's like that. And he says, "Look, they're having a trials for the show called American Gladiators." And it says they're looking for a character that's a surfer type who's muscular and athletic, and uh, you have to do this obstacle course thing. And I thought, hey, great. So I shot down there, and um, I I killed it. I had a great time. And then the producers asked me to do an in-character interview. And so they said, okay, your name is going to be Domino. And I said, no, that's a pizza delivery guy. Um, You want me to be a beach dude? Why don't you call me Malibu? And they're like, whoa, very, very cool. So that's how that name got born. And um, so what I did was this desk was full of papers and all this junk. I pushed all the papers off the desk, sat up on the desk. And I'm going, what's up, dudes? It's Malibu. And they're like cracking up right off the bat. And uh, to me, that's probably one of the, that's truly a pinnacle because uh, I was just in shock at the amount of, of fan mail and, and the attention and how that show just rocketed to fame in just a oh, short was, period of time. It was a monster, monster show. And oh, my gosh. I say, arguably, I mean, look, you, you had Dan Clark, who played Nitro, and, and you yes. had, you had our mutual yep. friend, Ray Hollett, who's she's amazing, who played Zap. Um, yes. And we could name, you know, go on and on and on. We, we know all the same people. You know, along with those two, I, I would say the three of you were probably far and away the most visible characters from that show, but I would dare say 
that you were the one that people remember the most of all by far. Would you agree? Um, yeah, for some reason it was uh, my my character hit a chord with America at that particular time because you know what it was. All these other guys were you know I'm going to kick your butt, blah blah. And Malibu just didn't care if he got his butt kicked or if he beat somebody. He was just there to have a great time, and because I was smiling and having a blast, I think that really resonated with you know the American I, people. I, I agree, but I, I've got to I've got to contradict you a little bit on one thing. Okay. So you were saying you were out there just smiling and having a good time, and yeah, you were. You were smiling and having a good time. I mean, come on, man. You you were pretty back then, no doubt about it. <laughs> you know, it as pretty as a you know six foot four inch, two hundred and seventy five pound yoked out of his gills. <laughs> Stop. But, but here's what I remember. Yeah, I remember the image. Happy go lucky. Right. <laughs> you were freaking physically killing people on that show. It was brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. You can you can practice revisionist history as much as you want, my friend. But you, were, <laughs> you were beating people up on that show good. Well, you know what? I'll tell you something. The the very first show, Rick, and you you know this. The the wake up call of the century is when I was standing on this event called Human Cannonball, and this guy swung by on a podium and kicked me off so hard that, and it's on YouTube. I hit the ground and my own knee hit me in the face, and I gave myself a concussion, had plastic surgery, and I'm like, okay, we're we're not in Kansas anymore. This is the real deal. So yeah. And, and here's the thing, man. You know, despite the like the, the long blonde flowing locks and, and the movie star good looks and all that, you yeah. you are the real deal, man. I mean, you. I, I know you were way back before Billy Blanks. Oh you know, yeah. Put, put on lycra and spandex and got all pretty with Tybo. Yeah. You and yep. Billy were really getting down in training. That was the real deal. And and I know yeah. you trained hand to hand with you know legendary Anthony Delongis. Um, yep. You you were you were the real deal. You know long yeah. before long before any of us knew what what mixed martial arts was. That's for sure. You know, it's a funny thing, but I remember when that first started, when it was like truly mixed, you'd have, you'd know what you would get when you got out there. Uh, but I remember watching that and then it was, you know, when I just, I'd known you for maybe what, four or five years before that. Um, and uh, you told me about it and you go, you got to check this out. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, this is going to go places. But yeah, I was, I'd been training like crazy boxing and, and learned how to sword fight with a couple different sword masters and, uh, you know, it was important to me, you know, t- to be a well-rounded athlete. And uh, I had no idea where it was going to take me, but, you know, it was it was amazing what happened. And uh, I'm just, you know, when he, just back to the Gladiators for one second. I knew how crazy famous that show had gotten when I was sitting on the bottom of Madison Square Garden looking up at 20,000 people going crazy. I know, wow, this, this show has truly made it. You know, I mean, think about that. Just Madison Square Garden, how epic, you know? That's, that's you headline Madison Square Garden, man. Not not many can say that. <laughs> right. I'm damn sure. Yeah. Uh, your, your credentials are, yeah, they're, they're off the charts, man. And I, I think it's important for listeners out there who, who may not know who you are to, to get a take on that and maybe a, a visual idea in their heads. Maybe they've looked you up by now and see what you really do look like. Um, and I, and I want to stay on the tough guy thread, but I, I want to read something first. That's going to sound like it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I'm going to throw it in for one second. Go for it. When I first posted on Facebook, because I know we're, we're Facebook friends, of course, when I first yeah. posted on Facebook that I was starting the Talking Tough podcast, you sent me, as you always do, you sent me a very nice note of support. You did that by a comment posted on my page, and mm-hmm. I wrote you back saying, Malibu, exclamation point. I'm thinking 
lovelorn tough guys pour their shattered hearts out, but we truly <laughs> love the fair sex anyways Valentine's Day interview. Do you remember yes. that? Yes, of course. <laughs> right. So you, you and I have been talking a lot at that point, or somewhat frequently, about the trials in our lives, right. in our hearts with the women in our lives. Yes. And yes. I'll hold that thought for a moment and, and circle back to it because while while Valentine's Day, for better or for worse, has come and gone, uh, I've been like dying to have you on to do a Valentine's Day special interview. How, how does that okay. make? How does that make any sense with what we're talking about? Well, we're we're going to try to to make sense of it, but um, but before we get into this, so we we've established that you're you're a tough guy, right? Okay. Yes. Um, you've you've put me over as a tough guy. You know, I've, and I've had my dozens and not hundreds of fights and my little pit bull attitude and all the injuries and the life threatening illnesses, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So let's let's establish that. Um we're tough. You and me, we're tough. You are definitely one of the toughest, and I don't mean just like you said, not from the fighting issue, because you are a bad, bad, badass of a dude, but I'm saying what you've overcome, the hospital stays, the injuries, just the trials and tribulations of, of work, when I've seen you get kicked in the face by people that are ungrateful and have you bounced back like a champion, oh, come on, bro, I, 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 you, you are truly a man I, I look up to, so I just got to say that. Did I ever tell you about my, my first year in junior high school? No. All right, this is uh, now I'm really digressing. We're going to come back to the point, but since you're putting me over in wrestling parlance, I'm just going <laughs> to over some more. I'm going to take your lead. Thank you. So, um, my mom had uh, when I was 13 years old. My mom died very, very suddenly, and it was mm. a shocker. And my my mom before died. She she was very what I called experimental or experiential. She would do things like take my brother and I and blindfold us and bring us to the Braille school for the blind where we'd spend a day. Oh my God. Um, she she bought us little suits when we were like 10 and 11 years old. And somehow my mom being my mom set up a private meeting with Sam Yorty, who was the mayor of Los Angeles. I can't yeah. imagine what we would have spoken to him about at that age, but she would do stuff like that. So wow. Yeah, really trippy stuff. So we, we grew up in a Jewish household. We weren't religious, but that you know, that's our culture, it's our background. Right, and, right, right. And my mom, being my mom, thought it'd be a cool idea to enroll me in a uh, very, very hardcore Catholic school. Now <laughs> you know, right? Right? That was a curveball. I didn't expect to hear that. Okay. Oh, this is good. So I this is all this is all gonna make a point somewhere along the line here, I promise you. Um so I go. I start this school, Chaminade College Preparatory, in, in the San Fernando Valley in Chatsworth. Um, yep. I'm 13 and a half years old. Um, this is. No, I'm sorry, 14. 14 years old. This is a few months after my mother has died. I'm mm-hmm. still completely shell shocked over that. She and I were like, we're, we're oh. tethered. We were tethered yes. in one phase in one. Oh yeah. I show up at the school. This is 1975 or six, whatever it is. I don't know. And here's what I here's what I notice. The first thing, Darren, I notice when I get there, I'm but, not only the shortest boy in the school. I'm the shortest kid in the school, girls included. Uh, and I'm the only non-Catholic in the entire school. Oh man. Non-Catholic. I'm a Jew. And. This is, you know, the early mid-70s in the Valley, so anti-Semitism really wasn't frowned on at that point in time just yet. So I'm standing there first day trying to get my bearings. This big kid walks up to me, Michael Darwin from Peru. I'll never forget the guy. And he says, are you Jewish? And I said, yeah. And boom, dude, right cross out of nowhere. The kid no. just laid me out. And 
I can tell you this, man, that first year, this is going to sound like a, a bullshit exaggeration of epic proportions, but I fought probably 200 times that school year, sometimes three, four, or five times a day. Um, what? We, oh, God, Darren, it was just obscene. I would get attacked left and right. Then later it was more challenged, and then I got on the rugby squad, and I ended up scoring more tries than anybody in the school. Tries are a, a yeah, I played rugby too. I know exactly. It's like scoring yeah. a touchdown, basically right. scoring yeah, a touchdown. Exactly. Than anybody else, and then it became wow. more sport than anything. But I can tell you what happened, like the last day of that school year, and I think it represents our lives, the up and down nature of our lives. And we're gonna get back to that, especially where women are concerned, in a moment. Um, oh, and the last day of school for that first year actually involves a woman or a girl. Um, uh-huh. So end of the year, I, I fought back, and you know I didn't didn't take any of this laying down. I, I channeled my mother's tough guy spirit because she wow. was gone. Uh, wow. So I, somebody had to step up. So I did it for myself. Um, by the end of the year, if I had actually been calculating fights, I was probably somewhere in the like one one hundred and fifty wins and fifty losses columns. Oh so, my gosh! So not so bad. And oh my. Then, at the end of the year, the people are going to run for office. Now, it's a small school, so there's only four offices in the entire school. And I decide, just, just to perpetuate the, the stereotypical uh, Jew, I decide I'm going to run for student body treasurer, of all things. That's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. I show up on election day, and somebody has put a giant banner up across the quad that says, don't vote for a Jew in a Catholic school. Oh, my gosh. You were yeah. serious. Dude, it's like mid-70s. That banner stayed up all day long. No one took it down. Oh. It, was too, it was too tall for me to reach. That's for sure. I couldn't take it down. Um, so anyway, the elections were that afternoon, and I won. So I won the office. And the, awesome. the next day was the end of, uh, end of the school year dance. And there was so we're in the dance. There's this beautiful girl, Colleen Sanders, and every boy in school had their eye on. So the second to last song of the night, I don't know, it was the second to last song, was a slow dance. And mm-hmm. I worked up the nerve somehow to go ask her to dance. And she said yes. We start to yeah. dance. Then awesome. The song ends. There's five seconds, and it goes into Crocodile Rock by Elton John. <laughs> not, not a slow song, right? But right. Colleen and I not only continue the slow dance, I ended up making out with her in front of the entire student body. So oh, I, you big I, stud. I the shortest kid, only Jew in school at the beginning of the year, to kicking pretty much everybody's ass, winning office, and making out with the hot chick in front of all the boys at the end of the year. So, boom, that's tough. There you go. Let, let me tell you something. I know that's true because I know you. That is so indicative of who you are, Rick. That that just, I, I know exactly what you're saying is 100% righteously because that's just awesome, bro. That's so cool. So I, I appreciate that very much, Darren. And, and truly, the, the only difference between you and I in that regard, because I think our spirits are identical, is you're, you're, physically, very much. you're physically a big guy, man. But apart from that, I, I, I think we're the same. And, okay, so we have established we are tough guys. So that said, oh, man, <laughs> romantically speaking, <laughs> mentally, <laughs> emotionally, we both had our asses kicked by women this year, haven't we? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, my, mine's been, been getting kicked for about a good 15, 20 years. I mean, right, come on. Not, I'm not feeling so tough all of a sudden. I'm all about you. No, you know what? Hey, let me tell you something. This, this is the absolute truth. I married a woman who was a full-on 
narcissist. And I mean, she, she enjoyed watching me suffer. The only person, I mean, I pour my life out. I fall in love with this one woman and I'm at the height of my career, Rick. I mean, I'm killing an American gladiators. I'm doing 20 national commercials. Uh, we got a beautiful house and she could never look me in the eye and say, I love you. Um, if, if I said, I remember saying something about my nose going, yeah, somebody told me I kind of a cute nose. And she goes, Oh no, it's not, you got nothing special and blah, blah, blah. I mean, oh my God. no. Yeah. She tortured me. And a guy, a guy with what outwardly would seem to be the highest level of self-esteem. How, how do you, how do you bear that? How do you put up with that, man? Rick, you know what? I got emasculated. That's all I can tell you is that because of, and this is wrongly of me, but because of my faith as a Christian, I thought, okay, I got to stand here and try and win my wife's affection or not quit. And then we had a daughter. Well, Okay, I'll I'll take you. I'll tell you back six weeks. You want to hear about my my relationship? Let's 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 get, let's do it. Six weeks into my marriage, I was doing this Conan TV series with um, oh god, what's his name? Ralph Mueller. Okay, Ralph Mueller. So we're down in Puerto Vallarta, this beautiful hotel. The beach is fifty yards to my right. Beautiful pool is twenty five yards to my left. And my wife comes to visit and. We get into an argument, Rick. I can't even tell you what it was. You know, they're always really stupid. So I'm being the gentleman thinking I'm going to de-escalate the situation. I'm going to go out into the night. I'm going to have some dinner. I'm going to leave her in this five-star hotel with HBO, room service, you know, guards everywhere, the pool, the beach, and I'll go out and come back, and it'll be hunky-dory, and we'll have magnificent lovemaking all night long. Well, that didn't happen. I get back. And I'm locked out of my own place. And I said, are you going to let me in? No, you're, you're not coming in. I said, well, I'll just call security. She lets me in and walks back and grabs a, pran- a can of protein powder, one of those big cans, and wings it at me from across the room. Holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. And I'm going. She, she interpreted your, okay, what, what you were calling, having set her up very nicely, I'm guessing she interpreted it as something completely opposite of that. I, Rick, I, to this day, I don't know what the hell it was. I go, honey, what are you doing? I said, I don't want to fight with you. And she grabs a pair of my $500 glasses, okay, that I, I need to see. I'm blind as a bat without contact lenses. She grabs them, and I said, don't, 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 don't wrench. Rips them right in half. Throws them on the ground and walks up to me. And you're, okay, and I got to explain. This woman was six feet tall, African-American, full-on athlete. She played college basketball. Is this Trezon you're talking about? This is Trezon, Yes. I, I, I'm going to stop you for one second. I'm so sorry, man. I hope you don't mind. No, no, no. And there's a reason I'm going to do that. No, go ahead. I want to put a message out there to, to, to all the men and women who are listening to this, because you and I both could get on a roll. <laughs> You're on a roll right now, and it's great. I love it. <laughs> um, it it's entertaining for sure, but there, and I don't mean that in, in, in any kind of um, – No, uh, no, no. Thank you. 
before we just go on and kill off our significant others. How's that? Thank you. You know, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I agree. I was crazy in love with this girl. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you something aside from the insanity that I'll talk about in a minute, I've never laughed so hard with a woman in my life. I mean, she's the kind of gal where we could be sitting in bed and, um, you know, something sexual would happen. You know, I, I think one night, okay, we'll get down to one night. I, I couldn't finish the deed. Okay. I mean, it was like, I was a champion. I was going for like an hour and I couldn't finish the deed. So I, I just started saying, I can't, I just can't come. And we both started laughing so hard. We both fell off the beds. So what you're I mean, trying to do right now is tell all the single woman listeners out there is that you have stallion like endurance. Is that what I'm No, saying? that, that was my, my one, I'm usually a five second wonder. So I don't know what happened that night. That's why we laughed so hard. So, um, anyways, so the, that night I go in and after she rips my glasses, she comes up, cocks her fist back and punches me so stinking hard that it knocks me on the bed. And wow. I was, yeah, I was in shock. And unfortunately, I didn't make the right move of going to counseling right then and there with her. I just said, okay, well, you know what, you can catch the next flight home and we're done. And then she apologized, of course. And, but it was just one of those things, man, I, I, you know, I found out later after she passed away, that she'd been horribly abused, um, sexually abused, and some, some terrible things happened to her that I knew nothing about when we were married. Oh, so there was so much anger and so much pain inside of her um, that what the therapist ended up saying was that, yes, she loved you, but you represented the greatest threat in the world to her. Because if the person she trusted the most, which was a male in her mom's life, was raping her at 10 years old, how much worse could you do to her if she gave your heart to her? Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. This, this, is, um, this is really striking a chord with me right now. And, right. And, and it's resonating. Dude, dude first of all, this is going to sound like such a, a simple statement, but life is hard, man. Oh, and, you know, I, I, and I want to talk more about, I hope you don't mind that I said her name. Do you? No, 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 no. Because I knew, I knew Drazon, of course. She was part of my wrestling organization. And yeah. Her very much. And, and the stuff you're telling me, it, it shocks me because, I, I, wow, did I have not that impression of her. No, you never uh, would have known. You know, I'm, I'm just a few weeks out of a relationship myself right. as well. And with, with the woman, I just loved so much. And when it was good, it was good. I mean, we, we were yeah. absolutely... And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll be again, but I'm not counting or, or even wishing for anything. Maybe right. we'll be friends again, but we were such good best friends. Right. But it was bad. It was bad. And mm-hmm. yep. and, 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 she has, and she has a past also that was difficult. And mm-hmm. I've often thought if I, I often thought maybe I represented such a safe harbor for her that it was okay to, to take that, you know, that kind of stuff out on me. But, yeah. but here's what I want to do now. I want to examine... I want to ask you to examine yourself, and I want yes. you to challenge me also, and here's why. Um, you, you, now, you mentioned that Drazon, you, you used, there's so many labels in society these days. Sure. Um, you know, n- narcissist is a word that you, I hear used all the time now. Well, that's the buzzword. Of the, of the, yeah, you're right. It's a big buzzword. Yeah, the, the woman that I was with and broke up with recently, that was, I probably heard that word out of her mouth more than any other. She never called me that, thankfully. She probably is now to other people. I don't know. Um, she called that, she called her ex-husband that often, and she referred to many other men in, in that way, too. But here's what I want to do when I say examine ourselves. It's not about she was wrong and she did this to me. It's like, 
I, I, I love to consider myself a, a good guy. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm smoking crack and I'm so off base and I'm the worst person ever. I don't know. Um, uh, it, but it's got to be somewhere between because, you know, what, what's our part in this? We can, we can go on and on. And, and, you know, and I, and I question now if my ex was, was that N word. Um, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe it was her, maybe it was me, maybe it was both of us, maybe it was neither of us. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think, you know, what's important, and I love that we're doing Talking Tough with the, with the little aggro pit bull tough guy me and the giant uh, Greek god tough guy you, and, <laughs> and that we're now going to try to do um, try, try to do advice for the lovelorn. But, sure. but I actually wanted to do this show with you because I've had this conversation with you before where we get very heated, if not at each other about mm-hmm. how we believe we were treated, right. about how we believe we were mistreated. Right. But we also talked a lot about, you know, what what did we do and what was what was our part in this? Exactly. And it's a tough world right now for us guys. And, and, I, and I want to ask you women out there um, who are single and attractive to give me a call. And I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not. You, uh, I'm not. Call me. <laughs> simplistic should be just that simplistic you know but it's like you said everybody brings so much baggage to the table um you know and i think it's a big fear thing rick you know i I think people are just scared to death to be transparent with each other uh because they don't want to be hurt does that make sense um Um, i'll get you before you get me kind of a thing and you know, for me, if you want to, if you want to talk about my my shortcomings, I with with gals, I knew 
this. This was, this was my big fear, and this is what I brought to the table in a negative sense, is that when my mom and dad got divorced, I saw my mom become devastated by it. And uh, she, I watched her treat a man as good as a, a woman could ever treat a man. She doted on him. She loved cooking for him. They went to parties. She was sweet, lovely. She was kind of like a Marilyn Monroe-looking person, but with the sweetest personality ever. And uh, I remember talking to my dad one day because I'd heard their best friends got were getting a divorce. And I remember saying, Dad, would you ever leave my mom? And he said, no, never, son. Never, ever happened. Well, Rick, three months later, maybe six at the max, we're driving home the same place. He pulls over the side of the road. And he says, I'm leaving your mom. And that was like having God lie to me, you know, because when you're a little kid, your father is not only dad, he's God, he's everything. And when he did that, and I watched my mother just absolutely fall apart. Um, she, she fell into the bottle of a, uh, of a wine bottle and became an alcoholic for 15 years. Um, I decided, well, you know, I, I, I'm just never gonna let myself get hurt like that ever. You know, I, I love women. I, I care about women. I could never be mean or yell, but it was like I was so quick to, if some, they looked at me wrong, think, okay, I'm going to break up because you're going to hurt me. You know, I was scared to death of being hurt. So um, I think I brought a lot of that to the table, and um, it took a lot of years. I mean, Rick, probably 15 years of of, of therapy and, and 500 books and seminars that I went through to really work on myself because, you know, I realized it was, you know, junk I was bringing to the table as well, you know, so I, I never want you or anybody to think that I'm saying, yeah, it was all her fault. No, it was, it was my fault too. I know you don't do that, but I, that's why I wanted to jump in and make sure that was out there for all our listeners right. as well. And I'm glad that you're explaining this. This is great. Right, right. And and listen, I've, I've been working on myself and I still am. I mean, I, I looked at myself and say, okay, so what is it? Why am I picking these women that are so wounded and so hurt? And yet on the outside, I mean, Rick, if you took um, a, a different women I've dated, whether they're black, white, Korean, Filipino, it doesn't matter. Gorgeous, tall, short, doesn't matter. Um, if you I'm took them all and you look at all of them. Yes. Yes, but if you if you look at them all, you'd see, okay, diverse, 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 but then all of a sudden, every one of them, Rick, I kid you not, had either had an alcoholic father or a father abused and raped them right down the line, every single one. Hmm. So who was the common denominator? Me. That, that's you, and they say that we, we attract what we put out there. We both know that. Right. Um, yeah, and, and – <laughs> Yeah, we, we do attract what we put out there. You know, I, I think what people don't know, and we haven't gotten to yet, and, and I don't want to get too far down this road, but I want to mention it. Um, you're a certified drug and alcohol uh, counselor, is that right? That's correct, yes. Good. Yes. So you, you and I, and I do want to talk about that before the interview is over for sure, but for the moment, oh, yeah. for the moment, you're, you're well steeped in the 12 steps in. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I, I think um, I've done a lot of studying that, but you know what? Mine is more of a, a faith program because I really believe the biggest component missing right now in this in the twelve step recovery program is the spiritual component of it. And of course, this, this, if you look at the genesis of it, both men that founded AA were both Christians, and um, they talk a lot about the higher power, but their higher power was without a doubt Jesus Christ and and right. God the Bible. Right, right, right. And I don't mean I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I'm just saying. 
Yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, I really believe that that's the component that's missing in people's lives is that spiritual sense. And, it, and I'm not saying it has to be the God of the Bible. It, it can be, you know, what you believe. If it's Buddhist, that Buddhism that makes you happy or, you know, if it's Scientology, I, you know, whatever. And I think that's why the 12 steps works for, for so many people is it's not denominational. If, if you right. Precisely. What I wanted to mention about that, if, if you don't mind, is in step four, when you're taking your personal inventory, mm-hmm. do you remember a part called the sex inventory? The sex inventory. Yes. It's not about sex, oddly enough, but it's about, right. it's really it's really poorly named, in my, in my very humble opinion, uh, not so humble. Um, <laughs> it's about relationships. You're right. romantic and, and relationships right. with your significant other. And right. you're supposed to write you're supposed to write it out. So when I first wrote it out, I wrote, Okay, well I will, I'm looking for this and I'm looking for that and I like this quality and I want that quality until my sponsor told me, Oh no, 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 you're you're doing it wrong. You got it backwards. You're not supposed to say what you want. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to say what you want to be in a relationship because and you start to write that out and you finish writing it out and you gain or at least I hope I gain to a degree at least some clarity about what I put out in a relationship and it also makes you see where you're falling short and where your deficiencies are and that's really the point in it anyway but the other point is to dispense um, dispense with attracting what you what no longer serves you precisely and, precisely and I, and I, and I think that's that's where a that's where many of us fall down. And I think yep. you did a really good job of, of articulating that when you were talking about attracting the, the you know, maybe the same quote unquote type over yeah. and over. So right. let me ask you this then, man. Yeah. If you were doing and this was not a prepared question, this this is coming off the cuff now. If mm-hmm. if, if you were doing your quote unquote sex inventory and mm-hmm. you're saying what you what you want to be to a woman in a relationship, what does that look like? I think one of the most important thing is I, I would like to be able to have, be somebody that she feels very safe with, um, somebody that she feels secure and, and that she'd be protected by, somebody she could trust, um, somebody that loves to laugh with and have a, a really good time and, and a good provider. I think those things are really important. Um, you know, I think, Good sex is the outpouring of good relationships. I really believe that. Um, you, you know what I mean? I, 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 I mean, to me, there's not too much bad sex. All right. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, to me, I'm I, when when I'm making love to a girl, it's phenomenal. So I haven't had horrible sex, but I mean, I think it gets better the more intimate you are relationally and emotionally with somebody. I think that's what really makes sexuality that much greater. Sure, without question. Right. Right. Um, Wow. Okay. Well stated. Um, So is that, so that's what you would like to be. Is that who you are now? You know, Rick, I, I'm working on me every day. I'm so far away from where I want to be. I, I see the goal and I, I, I'm working towards it every day, but I think the second I think I'm there, then I'm gone. I'm so far behind. You know what I mean? It's like, I think the second we say we've arrived, we're as lost as a goose. <laughs> you know what? Um, <laughs> I, I talk a lot about this with a, with a guy who's already been on Talking Tough and a mutual friend of ours, Tom Howard. And okay. uh, yes, you know, you know Tom. You've Tom sure. of course. 
And, yes. Uh, here's what Tom and I talk about. There was a time in our lives when we would go, oh, yeah, okay, yep, we, we got it. We got it all figured out. Right, and, right. And then five years later, we'd say, oh, wow, five years ago, I didn't know shit, but I have it all figured out now. <laughs> Started, when I first started, honestly, my, my thought was my arrogance, in my arrogance, and which I didn't see was arrogance, but I thought, you know what, I can, I, I can love any woman so well that she's going to be happy. I got a great mom, I got a great dad, and I'll just love her so much, no matter how dysfunctional her family was, she's going to be thrilled to be married to me. I mean, and I, I sadly tell you that's the truth. In my 30s, that's what I believed. That, that- I love it, and I know, and I know things have changed since. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something kind of, kind of um, off kilter here for a moment. Um, my, my producer, who's on the line today, uh, John Pozorowski from the Two Man Power Trip Empire. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> not to do this. He said, if you bring me into it, you're gonna kill the flow. But I, I'm gonna bring him in for a sec. John, are you there? Yes, sir. All right, cool. And, and John's a straight shooter, so I'm not even qualify that. I want you to shoot straight with us. So we've got this Talking Tough podcast here where people are oftentimes expecting to hear um, tales about sex, drugs, rock and roll, beating people up, uh, banging the hot chicks, all that sort of thing. And Darren and I are talking about what we're talking about today. John, 1 to 10, what level of interest do you have in the podcast so far today? Oh, I love it. you got to give it a 10. I love it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I mean, Darren, I'm sitting there listening to us go, wow, we're, we're, we're in some different waters here today, man. Yes. So, uh, I, I, wanted to get a, uh, I wanted to get a third party in there. Well, John, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Thanks, John. Hey, no problem. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep on, on the same tip then. Um, Darren, what's, uh, yes. you have a woman in your life these days? Oh boy, you you knew you had to ask that question. So we talked about this. Okay, so I, I'm not one to espouse long distance relationships, but here here I am. Uh, now I, I just have to tell you guys when when my wife passed away, um, I was really jacked up emotionally for five years. So I I just made a pact. I told the Lord, you know what? I I need to heal. I need to grow. I'm going to uh, ask you to help me stay celibate between. And you met, you said it earlier. I love women. I love everything about women. I love making love. I love everything about them. I love the smell. I love everything. But um, I also decided that I was going to stay celibate because I was raising two daughters. I remember and I thought, period. yes, of course. Yes. And, and of course, you've met both my girls. And I, I, you see me diaper them in the wrestling ring for crying out loud. So, um, I decided that I thought if I'm bringing girls home, even if I'm not having sex with them, but if I go into my room and I'm talking to them, you know what they're going to think. They're going to think daddy's having sex or daddy's doing this. And then so what happens when a guy wants to take them home or a guy comes over? So um, I've stayed celibate, um, I think, by the grace of God all this time. And uh, I am getting really, really lonely 
Um, and so the, the reason why I brought this up is I started doing something I never thought I would do, which was I got involved with a gal that I met online, oddly enough, on Facebook, who was writing some things about Christianity that was so off base that I had to correct her. Right. So the last thing I thought I'd build a relationship with this girl. But anyways, um, I was showing her up down, right and left, why Jesus didn't end up in India walking on water because gurus taught him a bunch of weird stuff that she believed. But anyways, over the course of the last year, Rick, I looked and I've written eight notebooks full of love letters to this girl that I've written. And then and then I've dictated over my phone to this girl and um, started falling in love with her. And she's a Russian who barely speaks English on top of all of this stuff. And um, it was kind of going good, but there were things I, you know, I, I could tell that she wasn't being st straight with me. And then I think I told you there was a big boo-boo that happened. She went to a forum and met some idiot at a forum who was telling her, listen, if you try this drug cocaine, it's going to enlighten you and you're going to understand what it's like to touch godhood and blah, 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 blah. And she goes on a bender with this guy and, uh, you know, big shock. Um, she goes into a horrible depression afterwards and she lied to me about it. And I remember I called you. I was in tears. I was just I was devastated because here I am pouring my heart out to this girl for eight months and writing love letters and sharing my faith with her. And then on the first thing she does, she goes out and meets some idiot who pulls the oldest trick in the book. Here, have a drink, honey. You know, I'm, it's going to enlighten you and I'm going to show you God. And he just wants to just jump in her pants and bone her. All right. All right. Fair enough. Hold on. I'm going to ask you a question now. Fire away. So I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. all <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> First of all, how do you know this guy was an idiot and not the nicest, most sincere man in the history of the planet? And how and how dare you interfere or even be negative about your girl wanting to seek greater enlightenment? Okay, two great questions. And, and I'm sorry, that, that was wholly sarcastic. You know that, right? No, no, of course. Uh, but, but here's, here's the question I really want to ask you. Yeah. Did she in any way try to rationalize it in the, in the in the way I just spoke about it? Oh, you know what? She did. That's oh, what pissed I, me off so bad. She did not tell me this. this. This is not rehearsed, folks, by the way. I'm asking no. this for the first time. Right. No, no, no. That's the thing that got me going is because she started telling me that all of a sudden her mind was blown. And oh, she and and then all of a sudden, when she, she was telling me this, unbeknownst to me, while she was still high on cocaine, when she got back, well, when she came down on it, all the demons in the world came around her, and she got suicidal. That's how bad it got. Well, I mean, it was obvious. Let's put it this way, okay? When a guy walks up to a chick with a beer in his hand and he keeps buying her drinks and flattering her. He, he doesn't give a crap about her. He just wants to get her in the sack, right? Yeah, Come on. That's, we, that's, extreme. that's very, very extreme, obviously. I dare say obviously, yes. <laughs> so I, I, could, I would say that, you know, um, he, she was vulnerable because her husband um, died from an overdose of heroin. He was a heroin addict for years. And so she, I guess, always wanted to experience what it was like to be high, to see if she could understand what the attraction was, if you will. And uh, this guy caught her in a vulnerable place and uh, tried to, you know, take advantage of her. And she swears she didn't sleep with a guy. Um, 
And I don't know the reason why, but hopefully take that on word. But but here's have to. It, it's 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 very it's hurtful in your own brain to even think about what may or may not have happened. And yes, you don't want to have to think about that in the first no. place. Obviously, you don't want that. Um, but I, man, more, more questions, and then we're going to circle back on this. Um, did uh, did you express to her your reservations or lack of support or whatever around this situation? Oh, my goodness. You mean, did, did I, like, tell her I was very unhappy with what she did? Yes. Oh, Rick, I, I, I said we were done. How did, I she was, re- how did she respond to that? Well, she was, in, she was in shock, and she said, but I love you. And I said, no, you didn't love me if you, love me if you, if you could do all this stuff. I said, you betrayed me. Oh, maybe, I said, how maybe, would you? Maybe she did love you while she was betraying you. Right. And, and you know what? To me, that just doesn't feel right because I wasn't out there messing around with the, any number of women that I could have if I wanted to. I'm being celibate. And to me, Rick, you know this. If somebody is having an emotional affair on you, they're telling personal, intimate things about themselves that I felt like belonged to me. So I felt like I was being betrayed. Um, to me, emotional infidelity is worse than physical or sexual. Thank you. So, thank yes. you. Yes. That's what hurts so bad. That's what hurts so bad. I'm with you on that for sure. Uh, did you? Uh, did, did she ever at one point accuse you of being jealous? No. She didn't. No. Okay. No. She. I, I wouldn't. So, you know what? She. That never came. Came to it because she knows. You know. I mean. You know, you and I aren't the kind of guys that can't have women around. We can have women. That's not the issue, and she knows that. Thank God. You know, I, I got to tell you, man. At five foot four and one hundred and thirty-five pounds, and bald, and now old, I'm still. Thank God. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that position. I think I'll never lose that. But here's the thing, man. When we love the one we love, the rest of that doesn't really matter so much, does it? Nope. Nope. And and I I know you're like me. When we love, we love ferociously and deeply, deeply. All right. So let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this back to my favorite subject now. Me. Sure. Really <laughs> uh, I, I want to give you an example. Um, yes, I love deeply, um, and I hope it's not a controlling type of love. And I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm very much into the live and let live. But then again, you know, we're we're our own worst critics, but at the same time, we're probably oftentimes um, more unaware about ourselves than we are about others. Um, sure. So my, my girl, to my knowledge, did not go out and, you know, do cocaine with anybody at a, you know, hotel after having drinks in a bar. Um, right. There were a lot of things that did happen that I felt were um, – cross the line with emotional um, fidelity. I, I don't believe she was, um, uh, I don't believe she slept with anybody else during our time together. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I like to think she did, and I'm certain, as certain as I can be that she didn't. Right. Um, but a lot of, a lot of small things happened, and I want to get your opinion on one, and this is also one I don't believe I, I told you in our, our conversation. So mm-hmm. we were living together for a time after she and her husband split. It was great. It was really, really nice living together. She went out to a um, a Ram Das seminar. He's a spiritual guru. Okay. She uh, she was going to be home at five o'clock, and I said, "Oh, cool, cool. Let me know. Call me right on your way home because I want to light the candles." It was a big thing. We'd always like do the whole romantic stuff. Right. 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 And she was, "Yeah, great." But what she didn't know was, you know, I went out and I bought salmon fillets and I made a nice dinner, flowers. But she didn't know that. In all fairness to her, she did not know that. Um, So. 
5 o'clock comes around and she's not here. Right. I got a text from her at 6 an hour later saying I'll be home at 7. Okay. Then she came home at 8. So. Oh. Right. (laughs) Right. So she went to this Ram Dass seminar. And, well, the reason she was so late, she went out to dinner. And she brought leftover pizza home for me from the pizza place that we like where she went to dinner. Okay. Right. All right. Well, she went to dinner with a man that she met at the Ram Dass seminar. You were going to say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So I don't think – I didn't think I told you this. This is one of so many examples, so I don't think I had told you this one before. No, you uh, haven't. And, and she says, you know, when I expressed my reservations about it, the first thing is I am being jealous and controlling. Of then, course. Well, Turn around on you. Of course. Right. So once we got past that and I explained to her why I felt the way I felt, I said, I don't think you were fucking the guy. She goes, well, no, no, I wasn't. You know, he's he's married. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you, you know what the infidelity rate amongst married men are. I think it's yeah, like that really matters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on, boy. She's a smart, smart person. Like, you don't really believe what you're saying. But maybe <laughs> I don't think she had any intent. I, really, I think she's straight to the heart honest. But even still, um, right. the expression of what happened. And then it was, well, so, he's married. You know about his relationship. Oh, yeah. Did you tell him about us? Oh, no. Oh. Oh, okay. So this guy is from Off Island. He's staying in a hotel for the night. He's out with a beautiful woman now in a dinner after this Ram Dass spiritual seminar. Yes. What do you think the guy's thinking? Yeah. Um And, you know, that – so I explain this to people, and, you know, I'm thinking again. She, You know, she didn't know that I made dinner for her. No. Um, all right, whatever. Um, but the rest of it, though, is, is there – and I want to ask this to our women listeners out there, and, and you can reach us through our social platforms. I'm talking tough. If I'm being jealous and controlling – and I'm going to ask you too, Derek, because I always value your opinion. I, I want to know that. Um, the, the other side of it is uh, am I off base here in, in having a problem with what happened? Are you kidding me? So you know, you know you're, you're being nice. You know what most people say to me? Are you a fucking pussy? <laughs> no. Okay, remember, first of all... Remember, I was talking tough. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, that's a farthest thing from my mind. Of course you're not a pussy. And a co- no, you're a man, and you're a human being, first and foremost, and that you have feelings. Now, if somebody says, I'm going to be home at 5, and they change it to 7, fine. But then when they don't show up, and then they're telling you the reason why they don't show up is because they're with somebody else after, like you said, they're at one of these touchy, feely, you know, spiritual issues where everybody just getting, you know, bending their love and all that crap that's flying around in the air. Of course, this guy wants to bone your girl. There's no question about it. And I'd be pissed. But even if he doesn't. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm just. Right. Yeah. Sure. And a pig flies. Yeah. yeah. No, Rick, I mean, what she did was just being disrespectful to you. And and to me, the worst thing a woman can do to a man is be disrespectful for, to a man. I mean, you know, it, it's tantamount to a man not loving a woman when a woman doesn't respect a man. Yeah. And that hits us right where we live, disrespect. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and unfortunately, situations like that happened over and over. And you know what? Yeah. You know whose fault that is? It's mine. And... Because I accepted it, and I guess I gave her the message that it was okay. 
I don't think she had any bad intent, but here's a, here, here's a message I'm trying to pass on right now, I guess. I didn't realize there was a message until this very moment. It just hit me. Um, and, and I know uh, our producer, John. John, are you still there? John, are you yeah. there? Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to put you on the spot now, buddy. Uh, there's, I know the last answer he gave us was straight. John's a married man. John, 1 to 10, how happily married are you? Oh, I'm a 10. Very happy. <laughs> I love John. That's awesome, and I believe him. All right, most people out there in relationships are probably somewhere between there and what you and I are describing in the 10 that John blessedly has. Right. Uh, gosh, what, what's the message? Um, I, I know one place I felt fell short in my relationship with my significant other was right. she, she often accused me of being inauthentic. And nobody wants to be accused of that. Um, no. But you know what? She, she was right. Because things would happen, like the, like the thing I, the impetus that I described, and there were many, many dozens more, and I would not clearly voice my concern about it. When I say voice, I don't mean yell or accuse. I mean just... No, no, no. Express your feelings. Right? And, right. and I think I didn't do that because out of fear. You know, right. we, we could we could analyze ourselves all day long. You know, my right. mom dropped dead when I was, you know, when I was 13. Sure. Um, you know, I lost my my stepdaughter um, when I was whatever age she was four. Um, yeah. I, I I have abandonment issues. I watched my dog, who was the last remaining close living being on this planet, um, pulled out of a, a, a trash bag after his body had been crushed. I have some serious. No. And, and, I, and I do too. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but that, that's huge. And I think the takeaway for both of us is we stay in something way too long, longer than we should. Yeah. And, and how could that have been mitigated? How could we have saved ourselves pain? But not only ourselves, because the, this, this woman I broke up with, even though I'm not happy with the way many things went, I, I, I love her and I don't want her right. in pain either. So how, how could we have saved that pain? I guess I could have done it. And this is this is a message, I guess, for those who are struggling and uh, and don't know what to do about it. Is don't don't be accusatory, but no. be authentic. Be be willing be willing to make yourself heard in a loving and constructive manner. And if it doesn't work, get the fuck out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree. And you know what? There's a way. And and I know your producer will tell you this because I, I'll bet you if he has a good relationship, he knows how to fight in a healthy way. Because there's a way to right fight, and there's a way to wrong fight. And most couples do not know how to right fight, right? I mean, it's like you, you get on an issue, and all of a sudden it's not about that issue anymore. It's the fact that she said something that happened a year ago that you're pissed off about, and she lobs a grenade in something you did, you know, two months ago. And then all of a sudden you're not even discussing the problem at hand. That's what I'm talking about. I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, right? Is that right? Oh, Darren, <laughs> Darren I, I'm feeling like we should go back to talking about, like, beating up guys on the street and scoring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. Um, I, I, I know you have a huge heart. I want to tell people about what tough guy Darren is doing these days, man. I, I know yeah. that you have your own podcast, The Issues of Life. Yes. Uh, I know that you're a certified drug and alcohol recovery yeah. specialist. Right. Uh, I know that you're, you're, you're preaching the word of God. Uh, Correct. Tell us, man, what does your life look like these days? 
Well, you know, I thank you for asking. Um, the reason why I became such an advocate in addiction recovery is because I became an addict myself. Um, and it had a lot to do with the perfect storm. I mean, up to 45 years, I never touched a drug. I never smoked a cigarette. I never drank a beer in my life. I was never drunk. But like, like you, um, I, one day I went to visit my mom. I found her dead on the floor. Two years later, my sister drank herself to death. And I broke my back, and then I moved my girls out of L.A. away from all my friends like you and my buddies like Gary Casper and all those friends. And I became isolated, alone, and lonely because I, my wife passed away also. And uh, what happened was I broke my hip in a stunt job I did. And uh, the fourth orthopedic surgeon I saw who kept trying to cram this drug Oxycontin down my throat, I finally gave in and said, yes, I'll try it. Now – you and I are like either all in or all not in guys. And so when I hit this Oxycontin drug, it was, it changed my life. All my, my, my pain went away and all my emotional pain went away. And that's where I got in big, 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 big trouble. Um, I stopped turning to my faith and I stopped, you know, talking to my friends and, uh, I just got into a horrible addiction with this stuff. And, um, it lasted for about seven years and um, I hurt my daughters terribly. Um, and at one point after I decided after I'm having my hip surgery, I'm going to uh, clean myself out. And uh, I wish I could say I went to treatment and I was cleaned out the first time. No, Rick, it took me about six times of failing recovery. Uh, yeah, and I always, way, man. <laughs> right, go yeah, yeah, no, but but you know what? The the good news was, I say, I like to say, I failed forward. In other words, I was growing every time and getting closer and closer to that time it finally stuck. And then I worked it outpatient, and you know, all my years um, that I have my you know my MFCC and counseling from Dallas Theological Seminary and and all that really came into play. So it was easy for me to make that transition into drug and alcohol counseling, and. Um, I really feel like the grace of God, he opened up this great podcast for me. And, um, you know, you got to be a guest on there now that I'm on your show, because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, but, uh, it's so important now. I think there's so many people that are suffering with addiction now, and there's a stuff out there called fentanyl, which is killing people, just killing people. It is so powerful and it's in everything, Rick, they're putting it in methamphetamines, they're putting it in heroin, they're putting it in pot. I mean, they're putting it in Xanax bars and you know, now Rick, they've got these pill pressers and they're pressing pills that look just like regular oxycodone or Xanax bars or anything. You can't tell the difference. And yet one person will take it and they're dead just like that gone. So it's so, so scary and so sad. And I've interviewed person after person after person who have all have these stories of just, you know, getting caught in addiction and, uh, several have died. This kid that I came to this Bible study with tonight, he was in a coma for eight weeks, Rick, because he took some drugs, some heroin that was bad in prison while he was in prison. And, uh, he, he died on the toilet seat. That you went to Bible study with tonight, or you took to Bible yes, study. Yes, yes. What, what does, okay, wow. What does being of service mean to you? What does it do for you? How does it make you feel? Oh, man. And you know what? That's the greatest question because this is, I'm going to give this, if everybody can catch on to this thing, and you know this, Rick, but when you serve other people, you are blessed 
exponentially better than you can ever imagine. When I'm out there helping people, I'm the one getting the blessing back every single time, Rick. It, it's amazing. Is that why you do it? Oh, you know what? I do it because I want to glorify God, number one, and number two, yes. It's very, it's very selfish of me. I'll be honest with you. I know it's not selfish of you, and you know, you know I was asking that for a reason, of course. Yes, of course, of course. Um, I, lo- I love to see people come back from adversity. It's the same kind of thing you and I have done our whole lives, man. I mean, you and I have come back from adversity time and time and time again. You were just in the hospital, what, a, a month or two ago? I mean, and here you are doing a podcast. You are an animal. I, I mean, I'm so proud of you, man. Uh, it was just a heart attack. That ain't no big thing in the long run. Oh, um, poor me, right? <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, it I'm doing good. I'm strong. Um, you know, b- b- being of service, is there, there's one thing. I, okay, I, I preach a little bit, too. I don't have your skills or your background. And by preach, I mean this. There, there's this one thing I find myself saying on, on, on most of these interviews, and, and it fits so perfectly today. Um, and it's about being of service. And, yes. and it's, it's just so, this is like so simple, so overly simplified. But I, I challenge people to do this. The next time you leave your house, do everything you can with the first five people you encounter to be genuinely and sincerely nice to them. Wow. And yeah. like I said, it's, so, it's, it's like so overly simplistic. But no. you know what? Like sometimes if I'm at home and things aren't going the way I want them to, how often right. does that happen? Things don't go the way we want them to, right? Right. Uh, and you know, you might get a little moody, a little irritable. Although, thank God, I'm, I'm, that's less and less and less these days. Um, right. You know, living mainly in gratitude and peace, thank God. Um, yep. But I think it's a self-perpetuated um, yep. discipline and study. And, yep. and uh, the challenge is this: go out and be nice to five people. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to find yourself being nice to the 6th and the 7th and the 8th and the ninth. And you're really going to start, and this is by by no means do I hold myself up as a perfect example of this. So I really don't hope it on how I can preach you. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm loving what you're saying. This is fantastic. For anybody and everybody. And, and, you know, then you're you're in that mode all day long. And and it just makes you genuinely happy to see somebody who's like, maybe you shifted their mood. And then you know what it does? It makes you feel good. So there's a selfishness in it right there. Well, that's but, what I'm saying, right? It's the, yes, that's exactly. the beauty of it. Exactly. The takeaway is you are blessed by blessing somebody else every time. Yep, yep. You know, I mean, to me, uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful, Rick, that, that you and I could be talking now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thankful I'm alive. I'm thankful that God spared me and, and gave me this opportunity to be able to, you know, just to be thankful and, and you know, share his word and, and be able to talk to my friends and have people like you that I love, you know, in my life. I mean, that's what's so important. You know, don't, don't let yourself be isolated. That, you know, that's the killer. I mean, that is the killer. And, and that's a constant challenge for me, so I like to hear that from you. That's that's good. You know, and speaking of which, this is, gonna, this is kind of weird. I thought about this about a minute ago, and my producer is going to kill me. Um, <laughs> do you remember Matt Weezy, Horseshoe, Luther Reigns? Oh, of course. Right. I'm looking at a photo that we took on Venice Beach, I don't know how long ago, me and you and Shu. Oh, and wow. Rick. And the three of you guys, I don't think this is your dog, the three of you guys are holding chihuahuas. These three <laughs> massively giant, threatening-looking guys are holding chihuahuas. I'm, like, I'm, I'm more than a head shorter than all you guys. I'm holding a pit bull, of course. <laughs> but, of course you are. Of course. Right. Got to overcompensate here, right? <laughs> oh, man. I hope not. I really don't think I have small man's complex, but again, that's just me, you know. 
Rick, you know something? When, when I, uh, can I just tell you something? And, and I, this is unrehearsed, and I probably never said this, but I look at you like you're 10 feet tall. I really do, man. I've, honest, I, I promise you, I promise you before heaven, I've never thought of you as a, a, a little guy. You're huge to me. You're 10 feet tall. Because, I appreciate that, man. And I've never really felt, I mean, other than my, my height is I've never felt small. and never felt like I had to prove anything because of it. At least I don't think so. But here's what I wanted to say. I'm looking at this photo. You know Horseshoe, of course. Of course. And, you know, sure, you know, for all the ups that you and I have had, all the downs we've made it through, he might be the guy that's like at the more extreme end of both of those than any human being I have ever met. And I got a text message about two weeks ago from his fiance. Mm-hmm. Matt's back in the hospital. This guy's had, I mean, he's almost died so many times. I know. You know, and then he comes back and he just kills it again, right? So yeah. she, she says, Matt's back in the hospital, but I really can't talk right now. And I have been trying to reach him ever since. Oh my goodness, and I bet you must be free. Um, there's nothing on social media, which unfortunately is how many of us uh, stay in touch with each other these days. Right. We tabs on each other, and I'm genuinely concerned. Here's why my producer is going to kill me. I, I want to pick up my other phone, and I like to dial his number. And oh, my gosh. I have a feeling he might answer just because we're on together. Um, if he doesn't, let's leave him a message. Yes, absolutely. Are you okay with that? Oh, my gosh. I love that guy. Yeah, and I'm I'm feeling like he could use. I don't know why I'm sensing this. Um, then you got to go with it, Rick. You got to go with probably, it. Probably because, like us, he he wants to always be the strong guy, and he's probably of not. Course. And, and hey, look, you know in shoe, he's probably out right now in the VIP lounge of Olympic Garden, tossing hundred dollar bills at the hottest strippers in there. Who knows? <laughs> um, but but then again, maybe it's the opposite extreme. So yeah, well, he better not. He's got a fiance. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Let's see. It's ringing. And uh, let's see. Can you hear oh, me ring? Yep. If, the, if oh, it comes man. on with the phone number recording, I'm going to pull the phone away for a second. So we don't okay. need to advertise this phone number, of course. Oh, right, right, right. Luther Reigns, the Southpaw Outlaw, WWE fame. Yes. Yeah. Six. All right. There's, um, He's got the number, but when it beeps, I'm going to leave a message and please jump in, okay? Yes. All right, just to shorten, let them know we're thinking about them, obviously. Yep, absolutely. Shoo, hey, man, it's Rick. I hope you don't mind me doing this. I'm actually calling you live on my Talking Tough podcast, and I'm on with Darren McBee. Darren, are you there? What's up, Horseshoe, you big stud? You, man, we miss you, buddy. You got to get better. We were talking about you on the podcast, and and maybe you're doing great, and knowing you, you probably are. Yep. just wanted to call you and share a word of love and encouragement and hope that you're doing well, man. And call me the fuck back so I know you're alive and well, please. Yeah, please, man. We we love you, bro. And uh, we heard you were going through some trials, so please let us know how you're doing. All right. Talk to you soon, I hope. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Darren. Just kind of struck me while we were talking. It might be a nice to That's do. what I love about you, man. You know what? You just You just go with the flow, and I love that. That's awesome. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Darren, um, what 
Yeah, we're getting close to that time, and I know that yeah. you took your time out today. So, again, thank you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate oh, it. My pleasure. Here's a big question to answer, and it's like it's a good uh, capping point, I think. What, what we talked about a lot of trial and tribulation and ups and downs and, and heartbreak, uh, but here we are alive today on uh, in 2020, moving forward. What what excites you these days? Oh my gosh, you know what? Uh, it's a great, great question. And Rick, I, I feel so blessed right now that, that uh, uh, literally, and I, I don't mean to sound preachy, but i just so blessed that I have a second chance, and I feel so blessed that I'm doing what I love to do, which, which is helping people and encouraging people. And, and um, I got this wonderful show, and, and uh, you, know, you and I are talking, and I, I'm just so thankful for you, brother. Um, I'm thankful that I can get back in the gym and train again because I was really laid out for about – four years where I was in so much pain, I couldn't even step into the shower. And uh, so depressed, Rick. I mean, I remember sitting on my my floor of my living room, and I I wasn't suicidal so much as I said, you know, God, if you just want to take me to heaven, it's okay, because I've got nothing to offer to anybody. And uh, so the fact that I could come back from a place like that where I wouldn't even look at myself in the mirror to a place where I love being alive right now and uh, I've got – just great people in my life and, and a great life. I, I just couldn't be any more thankful right now, brother. That That's it's Darren. That's so good to hear, man. I'm, I'm moved. I think I'm actually near tears over here for real. Um, I, I talked about you at the very beginning of the podcast of like being the poster child of this and the poster child of that. Um, what, what, what I'm getting now is like, you're, you're the poster child for what the theme of, of talking tough is, man, coming from the bottom back to not only to the top, but like back, back to life. And it, it's yes. amazing to hear. It's so good to hear. And on the subject of podcasts, your podcast is the issues of life. And yes. Where, where can our listeners listen to you? You know what? You you can find us at, at any any place. I you know iHeartRadio, um, Google Play, anywhere, any any place that you can listen to your favorite uh, podcast at. But uh, um, you guys, we're we're every Tuesday at Facebook Live. You guys can check us out. The issues of life, or go to Darren Malibu McBee on Facebook, and it'll give you a, a great website out there that my producer uh, Sean Kelly put together. An awesome, awesome guy. He home, you know uh, runs a place called Hope Recovery Center where we do our show out of. And uh, yeah, just check us out, man. It's a fabulous program and great guests every week. And you're going to be one of them soon, right? you guys thank you let me tell you something you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it you me or nobody is going to hit as hard as life but it ain't about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward how much you can take and keep moving forward that's how winning is done 
Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.